0: This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. John Douglas and Mark Olshaker have a new book out. It's called The Killer Shadow, the FBI's Hunt for a White Supremacist Serial... Killer, the legendary FBI criminal profiler and international best selling author of Mindhunter and the Killer Across the Table is back with this timely relevant book that goes to the heart of extremism and domestic terrorism, examining in depth his chilling pursuit of an eventual prison confrontation with Joseph Paul Franklin, a white nationalist and serial killer, and one of the most disturbing psychopaths he has ever Encountered John Douglas, legendary FBI criminal profiler, special agent, veteran author of true crime books, has spent more than three decades hunting, researching, analyzing, confronting America's most disturbing criminals. A veteran in the United States Air Force, he has directly worked and/or had overall supervision in over 5,000 violent criminal cases over the past 48 years. He's currently chairman of the board of the Cole Case Foundation, one of the foremost experts and investigators of criminal minds and motivations. Currently makes his home in the Washington, D.C. area. Happy to have John Douglas join me now here on Speaking of Writers. John, welcome to this program.
1: Thank you very much, Steve. All those cases, and you wonder why I drink. (laughs) (laughs) Joseph
0: Paul Franklin. What was this guy like?
1: Well, I got the opportunity, well, first to do an assessment of him and then to finally go face to face with him. It, uh, I've, I've worked a lot of violent criminal cases and uh, guys who've tortured victims. Uh, he, he was, he, although he's not, he wasn't torturing victims, it was just his attitude, his nonchalant attitude about killing uh, uh, interracial couples, killing Jews, killing blacks uh he talked about uh, these killings as if it was you know his day on a on a trip to the up the park you know he, it was it was no big thing he hadn't, it was no empathy um he's mission oriented uh it, and that was probably the the thing that was just uh shocking when i did the interview when i finally got the interview i interviewed him with a secret service agent because i was doing research on assassin personalities secret service i've never done that most of my research up to this point when i was assigned to do this case was uh serial murder cases and and other types of uh, violent crimes so uh, 1980 when i get the call and I'm a, I'm a relatively new agent within the behavioral science unit trying to develop this new program called criminal Personality profiling, uh, something that uh, the bureau really wasn't 100 percent behind it. Thought it was, they thought it was like too touchy feely. J Edgar Hoover would not would have wouldn't have liked it. So uh, here I am uh, working these cases, uh, teaching in, in the classroom, uh, and then. One day I get the call from Civil Rights Division uh, asking me to. We've identified this guy named Joseph Paul Franklin. Uh, we know what you're doing in violent crime, in serial murders, particularly. Do you think you can apply it to this kind of case? And I said, I'll give it a. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I said, but this is what I need. I'll need all the background information on the guy. I have to go through his files, see what really makes him tick. Where he, where he came from. Um, look try to determine his strengths, his weaknesses, uh, and try to come up with where he is, because the Bureau at that point had no idea where he was. And what made the case so difficult, Steve, was that he didn't stay in one part of the country. He moved around around the country, and he moved so much, and the cases would be a little bit different. His victims would be different. Uh, uh, that In those days, they, we just could not link all these cases together. And so, that, so when we finally identified him, now he had a name. So uh, my mission was to uh, tell the FBI field offices where he's going to show up next.
0: Chatting with John Douglas here on Speaking of Writers Healing with Mark Ulshaker, I've uh, written the book The Killer's Shadow, the FBI's Hunt for a White Supremacist Serial Killer. So Franklin first struck on October 8, 1977 at a synagogue.
1: <laughs> the first one was, um, uh, was a bombing. And he would have uh, uh he, he was hoping that he could have killed some uh, people and his timing uh, uh, was off uh so he' uh, killed a family dog and and that was, that was it but he would then perfect his uh, his modus operandi affect the baking of bombs uh but he also then uh, would start uh, shooting his victims and early on he had a He was kind of crude. The first people he killed was an interracial couple outside of a shopping mall, cut them off in the parking lot. The the subject, the victim, comes up to the car uh, to confront Franklin. Franklin shoots and kills him right on the spot. Franklin gets out of the car and goes up through the Passenger passenger side of, of the, the other car and, and kills the uh, the woman in that car. And he was that was a very very impulsive crime. And he told me he made a mistake. He uh, it was really a high risk type of crime. He should have uh, he shouldn't have done that. Had no remorse for what he did, but it was too risky. So then later on he realized now I, I got to change change his mo, be more of a, a little more of a stalker, should put some distance between himself you know and the uh, and his uh, victims. And he would go, began now, he would go on now from that point on, a, this killing spree or trying to kill uh, Larry Flint from Hustler Magazine, uh, trying to kill uh, Vernon Jordan, head of the Urban League, and then just other miscellaneous cases, interracial cases, uh, women with men uh, uh, up in Madison, Wisconsin. And so he was just, he was just all over the place, and, and what he hoped was was that uh, He he would uh, inspire others like him to carry on his work, and there'd be other other uh, people doing the same type of homicides that he's doing. And he really idolized Charles Manson, who I also interviewed uh, in in my research early on, Uh, uh, and he was very much interested in the results of what that was like, 'cause he. He thought very highly of Manson and how Manson was able to uh, create this this following, uh, and so that's that's what he was uh, he was attempting to do. Inspired by hate uh, literature, inspired by Mein Kampf, uh, inspired by the Turner Turner Diaries, and uh, so he it was difficult. It was a difficult case and difficult for police to communicate throughout the country to tie these cases together. People don't realize we have over 17,000 different law enforcement agencies in the United States. And even to today, uh, we don't always communicate that well, that well to, uh, together. Uh, so, so he was getting away with these crimes for three years, but now he got the name, and now I, I do the assessment of him and come up with uh, probably, in all probability, he will be going to Mobile, Alabama initially. Uh, He's a a serial bank robber. He's been very successful in robbing banks uh, previously. Uh, He also uh, was married twice and one of his young wives had a child uh, with him and that's where he feels most comfortable and I began to see that with the other research I was doing with comfort zones, we call them comfort zones, it's like you feel comfortable maybe more in a, at a certain restaurant than you would another restaurant. It's the same thing with criminals where they perpetrate crimes, they develop their comfort zone they keep going back to that to comfort zone. So I felt he would go to Mobile uh, and he did go to Mobile, you know, Alabama. And the next thing I know I get a call from the agent in charge all nervous and, and he wanted to know the name of the bank or savings and loan that, that he would be he would be robbing and I said, hell, I, said, I don't I said, look, I, I picked the city you guys didn't even know where he was in the United States, I told you it would be Mobile and now he's, he's there, he was showed up at a blood bank and that's how he, they knew he was there then so uh, he, the agent in charge was expecting a little bit too much uh, from me, I couldn't provide the name and address, and the name of the bank uh, for him.
0: You mentioned uh, John Franklin's victims, and I wanted to ask you about why Hustler Magazine publisher
1: Larry Flint? Because he, he, there was a, uh, a magazine had inter, uh, interracial couples in the magazine, and that, that just drove him absolutely uh, crazy. And by chance, uh, Larry Flint uh, was going to, to trial for some obscenity, uh, breaking some obscenity laws. And so, uh, lucky for, for lucky for Franklin, unlucky for Flint and his attorney. Uh, he uh, followed him and set up uh, across the street because he knew he, he determined where where he was eating lunch every day on break from uh, the courtroom. So he found a an abandoned building across the street. He said which was a perfect shot. It would be a perfect shot and an easy shot. Set up there. Here comes Larry Flint with his attorney. And then he starts shooting. He, he uh, shoots Flint in the uh, in his back, uh, which will paralyze him. Uh, doesn't kill him. Shoots uh, his attorney. Doesn't kill his his attorney that's uh, you know, with him. But that was the the, the reason. The, the surprising thing is that Flint never wanted Franklin to receive the uh, the death penalty, even though when he was he was scheduled to uh, to be executed, and he would be executed. He. He just thought that uh, it would be more of a punishment for him to spend the rest of his years in 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 prison, and uh, uh, Franklin thought that was crazy. He said that that I want to live. It's uh, and uh, you know being you know I don't want I don't want to be executed, uh, but I really appreciate Larry Flint you you know for doing that. Uh, I interviewed him. When I interviewed him, he was totally different than at the, up to the point of execution. At the point he was getting ready to be executed, he was totally different. Uh, you know, poly, apologizing, uh, made mistakes. He found religion, like so many of these characters will do when it comes time to execution time. Uh, I interviewed him. He was bra- bragging, going through all the antics of how he uh, how he planned his crimes, how he. How When he shot up a synagogue in St. Louis, how he, how he went the night before, he found a telephone pole. He brought a 10-inch spike that he nailed into the telephone pole, wrapped it with a towel. Next day, uh, he's going to go back to that synagogue where there's a bar mitzvah taking place inside the temple. Comes Steals a bicycle, rides a bicycle to the scene, lays his, his rifle on top of that spike, and just waits for him to come out, and then when they start coming out, he starts firing, he then drops the vehicle, uh, drops the uh, the weapon, the weapon he filed off the, uh, the ID, so they could never trace it back to him, jumps on the bicycle, goes to his car, and then heads out of town, listening on his police scan radio. Uh, the police response to the uh, you know to the scene, uh, but he's just going through the antics of this. No, no remorse. The only remorse is he should he should have killed you know killed more people. Is was his only his only concern?
0: John, were you fearful that Franklin would become a presidential assassin?
1: Yeah, there was. He uh, certainly was on the radar of. Uh, uh, Secret Service, uh, and I did work with Secret Service on some other cases because Pre- uh, President Jimmy Carter was down in, in the area, uh, down there, and uh, he had received letter, a letter, uh, and from him and others, threats. So then we had him. Now when we had him on the radar, there was a, it was fearful that, uh, and these other crimes were taking place around that area that uh, it really tighten the security of uh, of Secret Service, but but he really wasn't that. Cause he really wasn't that uh, in, intent. He said on on shooting uh, on shooting Carter, that was not his mission. Larry Flint, Vernon Jordan, head of uh, the Urban League, uh, he, he staked him out. He knew he was in town. Staked up, uh, staked out across the street from his hotel in a, in a lot, and then he waited. Uh, for, for Jordan to come uh, back to the hotel early in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. There was a, a supporter, a white uh, woman supporter with him. He surpri- he, he's su- just very sorry that he did not kill the woman. He shot Vernon Jordan in the back, and it's a miracle that Vernon Jordan survived. He took a round in the back uh, when it came out of his front of his chest. They said it was the size of a fist. Uh, it was It was so it was so large uh, the exit uh, exit hole and he, he survived that uh, but again i 've interviewed some sadistic guys who taped uh their murders and uh, of, of of their victims but this guy it it 's just the attitude uh you know that he had and unfortunately he you 's know, he's he was what we call today a lone wolf type of type of an offender and a racist uh, offender and we've had others since him and there'll be more I'm sure in in the future we'll have more more of uh, this type of uh, type of offender uh, where they belong to groups but oftentimes like with Franklin these groups that he was joining they were talking the talk but not walking the walk and he wanted action and uh, and he wanted to kill people and uh, so he decides to fly solo and what's interesting about him is, that as a child, he lost one of his eyes in an accident uh, with a shade, a, a, a window shade, where they were putting it uh, on on the window. And the spring, there was a spring inside the shade, it popped out and struck him in the eye and blinded him in that eye. And his mother could have. Taken him back to the hospital. The doctors wanted to wait a month and then have her take him back to the hospital for surgery, and she never took him back. And as a result, he became blind. So he had this bitter hatred toward his, uh, toward his mother, towards his abusive father who would uh, beat him. Uh, he was one of four children, he, but the father took out his anger and drunken drunk anger against, uh, against him. And, um, and And Franklin, who was a, was a fairly good student initially in high school, ended up dropping out of school and then he gravitated towards this literature, uh, Mein Kampf and the Turner diaries uh, and uh, these different radical groups and and uh, this was his way where he this inadequate nobody was going to become a, a somebody, somebody to be reckoned with, somebody to be re- remembered by. By perpetrating these series of crimes.
0: John, I mentioned in the introduction that uh, Joseph Paul Franklin, one of the most disturbing psychopaths that you have ever encountered, where does
1: he rank for you? He, he's up there. I mean, he's, he's up there, certainly in the, like top five. He's, he's a different kind. Others I've interviewed, because I've interviewed, for example, like two guys named Bitteker and Norris out in California. Uh, these guys, convicted rapists, they get out of prison. Their goal is to rape and murder a uh, a teenager for every teen, year of a teenager's life and they end up getting uh, six six of his uh, uh, teenagers uh, one at a time through their van. They would pick up an, a van they called the Murder Mac. But it was horrific with them. That kind of case was they were audio taping the actual torture and murder. Uh, and the same thing with two other guys in California was involved with Lincoln Same thing, developed a torture chamber and they would abduct women. The same kind of kind of thing. Very very upsetting. In fact, I made I made uh, uh, I the silence of the uh, uh, the lambs. I made the actors uh, listen to real crimes. So if you want to get in that, uh, the mood of, uh, of this is not fun and games down here in our in our unit. We're dealing with real crimes, real victims, and, and uh, they were horrified at that time. So those kind of cases, Franklin is different, but. He killed over 20, you know, 20 people. He, he would have kept going had we not, uh, had not been uh, identified and uh, showed no, absolutely no remorse, just very, very, very nonchalant and, and very, very sane, committing insane acts, but, but extremely, extremely uh, knew right from wrong, knew what he, he was doing, knew the nature and consequences of his actions, but he just didn't give a damn.
0: It's a fascinating story. The Killer Shadow is the book. The FBI's hunt for a white supremacist serial killer. John Douglas and Mark Olshaker are the authors. John, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hey, see, thank you. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: And this is speaking of writers.